0: Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language. But the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now... Apostle Grace with the Word. I'm going to begin from the 12th verse of the Gospel of St. John, the 12th chapter. The Bible says many people came to the feast when they heard that Jesus Christ was coming to Jerusalem, and they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord And Jesus, when he had found a young ass and sat there on, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's court. Verse 16 says, These things understood not his disciples at first. When Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. John writes a very important account, and I always tell people that every time you study this, writers, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, everyone has a facet or an aspect that they reveal concerning the person of Jesus Christ. And everyone has their own advantages. I love Luke because it defines order. If you want to understand the order of things concerning the gospel, if you want to organize yourself spiritually concerning the gospels, I recommend you to study the gospels according to Luke. John is like no other when it comes to reporting. If you study the letters of John, he was like the concluding voice of the three, Mark, Luke, and Matthew. He was like the concluding voice. He used to get everything they were preaching, brings them together, and then from there, demystify a deeper mystery of the person of God and reconcile the deeper things of the Spirit. That's how I see John he was like summarizing everything mark matthew and uh, luke and hard and then from there then he introduces us to the i think the deepest sense i have found in scripture concerning the gospels i tend to incline most to john and how he teaches this it's amazing when you study that man it's amazing when you study his gospels man as a minister gospels as a message so for example if you study him John chapter 1, verses 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And then he says, And nothing that was made, or is made that was made without Him. For all things were made by Him and through Him. So, when you study the account of the beginning of life as we know it, many of us begin from Genesis. The earth was without form or void. When you study John, That's, I think, the third verse. All things were made by him, and without him, not anything was made. So the first two verses in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That is the deepest and farthest beginning as far as we are able to see. When I tell people that um, the oldest book in truth for me is John, that's where I come from, because he gives accounts of things older than the creation of the earth. It's amazing. If you study, John, like I said, you'll find things that are so deep. Every time I study this man's gospel, there's a way it catches me. There's a way it catches me. He tends to pick things some of the writers don't pick. I'm not saying it's to be preferred. I believe that all of them, in a way, are a contributing factor that there might be no schisms, that there might be no divisions or disintegrations that might come because of the nuances we miss out in God's heart to reveal who Jesus was. But anyway, back to the story. They hear that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. So they come to Jerusalem to meet this fellow. And then there was a feast and then people come and take up branches. And theologians would tell you this was what we call the most popular hour. The celebrity moment of Jesus Christ. Because from Childhood, all through his life, he was in the form of a servant. He took on a very, very, very poor stature, humble stature, down to earth kind of stature. If you study Jesus, he never visited Rome where the power was because he was not looking for the power of men. He was a very unique minister, and it was deliberate by God to bring him that way. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. But this was the popular hour of Jesus Christ. This was the the day he became a celebrity. Most of that time, he was a man who was walking, uh, you know, humbly, walking humbly. So, but again, it happened because it was fulfilling the prophecy that Zechariah had said. God by Zechariah had spoken that this man one day was going to come as their king, and I think it's Zechariah 9.9, he says, shout or rejoice, daughter of Zion, or daughter of Jerusalem, behold your king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, again humble, and riding upon an ass and upon a colt of the fowl of an ass. There's a reason why he came on a donkey. When earlier on, if you've read the story before, there was a procession, because remember there was a feast in Israel. So there was a procession of Roman soldiers marching through Jerusalem to supervise these people to make sure that they don't, you know, descend from order because every time they were fist sometimes they used to run a bit crazy. They were reminded of the victories God gave them through Moses and the other prophets and sometimes they will cause chaos. So earlier before, there was a group of men which had marched through Jerusalem with horses and shields and spear and then this man comes with the lowest and most humble beast of burden saying that they come, you know, with the strength of men, but I come in the humility of the Spirit. So he comes and marches through Jerusalem. And guess what? People gather and then put their clothes down and then put their palms and then they start waving. But this in concept was fulfilling a prophecy Zechariah had spoken. It was fulfilling a prophecy Zechariah had spoken. And in fact, immediately after that event, he went back to his state. Why? Because the scriptures tell us he went to Bethany. If you study the Hebrew meaning of Bethany, Bethania, it is translated as the house of the poor. You know, he had a popular moment and isn't it amazing that it marches through Jerusalem in that popular hour and immediately after marching through that popular hour, he goes to the house of the poor. He goes back to his low estate where Lazarus, which had been dead, was. He lived there. And then this then defines the few last days he has because five or six days from then on, he's going to be crucified and dead. Praise the Lord. So when he comes walking through Jerusalem, they're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna again. That's why I said, if you don't understand the original text, you'll struggle. Hosanna, the Hebrew is, Sevas, you know, Sevas, be our saviour. But what they're looking at in salvation really is not the salvation of mankind. What they're looking at in salvation is deliverance from Roman rule because they were under Rome. And anyway, wherever they saw it from, this man had come to save the world, not just to save them from the control of men. So the scriptures tell us that when that happened, and now our emphasis on where we're going to spend most of the time in the last few minutes we have in the verse 16. Everything is taking place at their watch. But the Bible says these things understood not his disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of Jesus and that they had done these things unto Jesus. This event happening in history, in whatever was being done in Jerusalem, no disciple had a clue. Yes, the lamb were walking before they had seen him raise dead people. But he never had that kind of attention. Jerusalem did not respond to Jesus Christ that way. But that day, that day, we saw people honor this son of God. So these disciples are like, what did we miss? What did not come to us? So they kept it in the back of their heads. But the Bible tells us the understanding came after the death and resurrection. That was his time of glorification. No wonder after that event, if you come down through in what John is telling us. Some Greeks came to worship at the feast. who want to see Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in verses 23, when Philip and Andrew come and tell Jesus that there are Greeks that are looking for you. In verses 23, he says, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. They don't understand whatever is happening, and he knows they cannot understand whatever is happening, but he is pushing for one thing, his glorification. Down later on, he explains to them, if a man loves his life, he'll lose it, and if a man hates his life, he'll keep it, and if any man serve me, let him follow me. 27, his soul is troubled. And he asks the Father to save him from this hour. But then he also counsels himself that for this cause did he come into this hour. Verses 28, he makes the prayer, Father, glorify your name. But in essence, it's the glorification of the Father's name that brings glory to the Son. You understand? There was something, there's a narrative God here was trying to take us through in the space of the glorification of the person of Jesus Christ. Now it comes to me that all through the life of Jesus Christ, there must have been quite a number of things that he said, did, that were not understood by the people around him and mostly understood later by his glorification. It's only at that glorification that the understanding came. This same man called John tells you that there are very many things which Jesus did. This is now him closing the book. Which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Wow! Take that in a little bit. Step back. Don't think of anything. Think of that scripture alone. That Jesus, when he was on the earth, he did quite a lot Lot of things that if they should be written one by one, John says, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written either in volume, that if we start writing, the volume of books about Christ would be so full that the world would not contain them, or that the power that should come from every testimony that reveals whatever Jesus did on the earth, the world would not contain. As of whether he meant any of the two, the point was, John in Revelation, and I see this by the Spirit. I see this by the Spirit. I see John seated somewhere on on a rock meditating, and Jesus opens his eyes to see the things that were done on the earth. And his mind is overwhelmed, it's inundated, it's filled, it's boggled by the things that Jesus did. Let's suppose somebody was to write everything that they knew about Jesus and we got quite a number of writers to come together as well to give us their accounts. Then we got all these books and then we put them in a 20-story building like you see some uh, libraries, international libraries. If you look at the libraries in Germany or where these fellows have buildings, stories of buildings full of books. Just imagine, this building represented one floor and its shelf on the wall shelves within the aisles. And then you have 20 stories or 30 stories full of books about this one man, Jesus. And every book is touching a certain aspect. Another one is demystifying that aspect and another one is touching the aspect of what was demystified but the part which should have been emphasized because it was not enough to have it in one sum. Just get that in your head and draw a picture. And you realize that in one lifetime, no man was able to study it all. The experiences of knowing this man can only condense all of these things by what a man encounters when they are with God. That's why I usually tell people that much as you invest in your theologies to study about God, which is a good thing and a commendable one, you should also invest in the theophanies of God. The place where you will allow God to give you the experiences of His realities beyond what the human language has power to put into words. Jesus is big. Jesus is big. He's big. It's only those little aspects that we touch a bit and then they star us. He, he, but He's big. So it's in that vastness of revelation. I remember one time the Lord carried me by revelation and showed me the experience of where Paul is speaking and then his mind explodes because he's overwhelmed and then he says oh the depth of the riches of the glory of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding. That was Romans 11 33. You know he's in the middle of teaching and teaching and teaching and Revelation is flowing to his spirit, level by level, grace by grace, glory to glory. And things start filling him and going through him and saturating his spiritual man until his person is overwhelmed exceedingly. And it's out of that depth that he cries. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How are his judgments and his ways past finding. He surrendered and said, this is too much. I can't search this thing and feel it. There's just something deeper. When you think you know him, he takes you deeper. When you think you've understood him, he launches you deeper. This is a man who brought full counsel, but he is also saying his ways are past finding out. Yet he revealed the full counsel, but as it touches the foundation. That was just a part of that building. This building is endless. Oh, 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 oh. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's out of that depth that John the Revelator sits and starts writing the book of Revelation. Thank God it's called the book of Revelation, not the Revelations, because it's one revelation, Jesus Christ. It begins as the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Which must come to pass. And if you study that book, Even from a theological perspective, whether you are post-millennial, pre-millennial, millennial, millennial, whichever, you know, school of thought you have, you know, borrowed from wherever you've studied this thing. Now, the Bible tells us, when you read the book of Revelation, and I believe even beyond what you can read, when you study it, in almost every dispensation, it has been relevant In every year, every season, it is showing things to come. Some people prophesied with it in the 70s. It worked. Some prophesied with it in the 40s. It worked. It has carried its trail in the past. But it's still speaking in the future. And the man had all of that in his spirit. My God, what a depth. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has also been misunderstood. Have you been around people who have misunderstood it? Who have built prophecies of end times against the book of Revelation. Unfortunately, none has come to pass. I was speaking with an old man recently in the gospel. And he told me, that besides the earlier days of the revivals of the 70s and the Obedie days, the church in Uganda had never been as reconciled as it was 1999 entering 2000. Who remembers those days? Eh? Because it was the mark of the beast, it was the end of the days, it was ho, 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 ho. Even the most drunk people you knew that day prayed they knew Jesus was going to come back the end of the millennium. Who remembers the end of the millennium? Those days computers became beasts. Touching the computer was touching a beast. The biggest percentage of people here listening to me, who knew some God went to church that night? Do I have a witness? Because you didn't want Jesus to come back as the song sings when you, you you were watching TV. You know, some who didn't go to church but had some foundations in the faith, they went on their knees that day, knowing Jesus is about to return. Oh, 2020 crossed. He looked in the sky. 45 minutes, one hour, two hours. Now the joy comes. We still have time. <laughs> huh? Then the church divided again. But there, people made peace. Jesus is going to come back for us. He won't care which umbrella, what. Now, now, now they are building the umbrellas every day. Until another thing comes to shake, you know? Until another thing comes to shake. I think we're that generation that is saying no. We're not going to build on fear. We're going to see God move in our generation because the truth of Jesus Christ is marching on. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So think with me again why this portion of scripture further indulges my spirit to ponder deeper. The things which this man did, if they were to be written, everyone the world would not contain those books. What did John see? What did John see? What did he see about this Jesus Christ? And some of you, you listen to two sermons and you're ready satisfied. You listen to three sermons and you read a full. You listen to four sermons and you feel like you've understood enough. What was this thing about the man Jesus that overwhelmed this man and he saw, he saw that you could not In one lifetime, even if you came back a thousand times, a million times, you cannot fathom the depth of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. But this is what I believe, that John got an experience that gave him the understanding of these things. And it was out of the depth of that understanding that he became a distinctive minister because of the things he connected to. I see Paul too, saw that world. He went to that end and saw the bottomless things. He connected to those things and knew this was bigger than a man could ever explain. Few men have gone there, women as well, but they have. And in this lifetime, I've had an opportunity to read the works of people who have connected to that realm. It's overwhelming, it's overwhelming. Jesus is deep. You can know just a little like this. This little small thing. And it changes your life forever. But that's all you know. He's bigger than this. Think the size of rice. Yeah? He's bigger than that. But you can know even less than that. I mean, if faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. The size, faith, that little can move a mountain until tell it be removed from your under place and be thrown. Now what happens if that faith grows and becomes bigger into a tree? This thing now pushes us to explore the possibilities, the potentials and power that are hidden within the human spirit by reason of salvation. Men and women of God, it is deep. Every time I think about this is the thing I can sit in for hours and think. Jesus is deep. Yet, we cannot connect to that depth according to the law given here in John. Until we get a vision of his glorification, the glorified Christ. I have a sermon I think I preached some time ago called the glorified Christ. If you haven't watched it, look for it. It's going to help you break down more of these things that I'm sharing tonight. The disciples, the Bible says, had a vision of his glorification. And then they were brought to remembrance of the things that were done to Jesus Christ and for him. And they realized, oh my God, the light went on. This thing was not just done for him out of excitement. There was an older narrative connected to that day. And then they started to connect many things concerning the Christ. And this is why I think John is. He started to connect everything connecting him back to this person and the message on the earth. And it became an overwhelming experience. But only because his eyes were opened to the glory that this man carried. You see, the glory of God has a way of transfiguring your countenance. Some of you don't know it, but scripture has showed it. One time, Moses goes on a mountain and he comes from that mountain and his face is radiant. They cannot look at it. That means nobody would identify Moses by face. It was too radiant, they were even afraid to come near him. Yet, that's an inferior glory to the glory I'm talking about right now. When the Lord Jesus Christ walked this earth, he had a certain glory. But he was not yet glorified to the glory that should come after fulfilling the mandate of God on his life. And this is what he prays, glorify your name. This is what is spoken, that it's time for the Son of God to be glorified. There was a certain glory he was to enter. Now many of you, I think, have been asking yourselves this question. How can a man die and after three days nobody can identify him? I'll tell you why. His face didn't change. His eyes didn't change. His nose shape did not change. No. There is something on his countenance and the glory of God that came upon him from the resurrection that covered everything they knew about him in the flesh. Did you get it? When that glory comes upon him, it covered everything that they knew about him in the flesh. That's why I realized, and I've seen this even by scripture, that the glory of God will cover everything human about you if you know how to connect, if you know how to launch, if you know how to yield. It will carry everything. So when Paul says we regard no man after the flesh, he has seen the predictions of the glory that should be revealed or would be revealed on our lives as we continue to demystify this mystery of the person of Jesus Christ. Eventually, we will not be seen as men anymore because they'll see, they'll behold the person of Christ himself in that glory and you will lose your earthly countenance. This is what happened to Jesus Christ. A story is given, I believe it was in Luke. And... These people are walking with him. I think it was Luke 24. From Moses, he started to expound. He found these men. They were just walking on the road. Nothing fancy. You know, nothing serious about them. And then he joins them on their way. And the Bible tells us, he starts speaking about Moses. The Bible says from Moses, he started expounding to them the mystery of his person. Allow me to use that word. The Bible says he showed them in all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. And as he was walking with them, they did not know after the resurrection that they were walking with Jesus Christ. Verses 28 they drew nigh unto the village where they went, and he made as though he would go farther but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is fast spent and he went in to tarry with them. So he's talking with them, he's demystifying scriptures from Moses revealing Jesus. He's telling them about Jesus, but he has not told them that he is the Christ. Are you following? So as he continues to speak, they are taken aback and they are bitten. They feel like something is connecting them to something so deep. So evening comes, he tells them, you know what? Bye-bye. He wants to take on his way to continue. And they say, no, it is late evening. Abide with us this evening. But really, they want to continue hearing or connecting to what this man was speaking. In verse 30, it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them while they continued talking, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave all of them a piece. And verse 31 says, and their eyes were opened and the knowledge comes to them and he vanished out of their sight. Their eyes were open. And when their eyes opened, they knew that this was Jesus. And the moment it comes to them that this is Jesus, then the other law could not allow them to continue beholding the flesh instead of connecting to the spirit. He vanished. Because after that glorification, he does not want a man to keep a physical version of vision of him. That is why I told you many years ago that nothing defined in picture, drawing, or movie clearly defines Christ. Nothing close. If a man has ever encountered the vision of Jesus, I did when I was eight. No. No, no, no. These are just movie actors. The person of Jesus Christ and his vision, in essence, is firstly defined from what your eye, the eye of your spirit, can see. Let me make it simpler for you. I've seen people who have had false visions, and they say, Jesus appeared to me, but yet it was just a familiar spirit that came in the face of the picture they had in the movie when they watched the movie of Jesus Christ. And even better translated in their, in their language. You remember those movies we used to watch on crusades? And then he's speaking your mother tongue, and you're like. <laughs> so you know this man with long hair and a beard, and that's what you carry. And then you get a vision, and you see a long man with a beard, and you conclude this must be Jesus, because it's what I saw in the movie. Not always. Not always why I said, when you have that experience of the person of Jesus Christ, the glory that comes with him cannot be defined by any human continence. It cannot be defined by any human continence. Even these ones, when he breaks bread and gives them, and their eyes know, oh my God, this is the man. That version vanishes. But again, that version has been working with them for hours sat at meet with them the whole evening and they still don't know that he's the same man. They still cannot identify him. Not because anything physically changed, but the glory that engulfed his presence. It changed his countenance. You're following? So, back to what I was trying to tell us here. It was at that glorification after that, his glorification, that when he started to show them the revelation of his person, beginning from Moses' scripture upon scripture, that their eyes now could see and connect everything from the beginning of ages. Because as I asserted earlier, you cannot connect any dots of your past concerning how you have walked with God until you get a vision of his glorification. That is why the biggest mandate of the church of Jesus Christ is in every language, wisdom, knowledge, or understanding to labor to reveal him in the glory of his person as defined by God. Because as we continue to reveal his glory, everything else on the earth, even in our own individual lives, even that which reconciles and doesn't, starts to make sense in the light of that glory. Who is following what I'm saying? There are things you're going through that you will never get answers for until you get a vision of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible calls it. The glory of God in the Face of Jesus Christ. In the face or in the person of Jesus Christ. Because that was the light that shined out of darkness in the beginning when he said, Let there be light. And that's the light, like Paul says, that shines in your hearts to reveal the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When he said, Let there be light something of that essence and ministry began from the beginning of the earth. Now, it now takes a man of understanding to connect that when God said in the beginning, let there be light, there was something that defined Christ that very day. And it's under that light that God said, let there be that everything else was created. You understand what I'm saying? So now you understand why John says, by him all things were made. Because it's under that light that everything was created. Everything is subdued under that light. The Bible says, in him all things consist. They have their own bearing. They have their own definitions and reconciliations. Give it to me in the Amplified Version, Colossians 1.17. and in himself existed before all things and in him the Bible says all things consist that is they cohere and are held together anything that you see reconciled and holding together in its own place and aligned to divine order Is all in this person of Jesus Christ. So it's in the demystification of the mystery of his glory that then even the things that look lost and lame and crippled and ambiguous start to reconcile and start making sense for you. Without understanding this glory, nothing will make sense. There are many things the disciples which walked with Jesus never understood until his glorification. Many! That even at his best, the men that walked with him saw the lamb walk blind, see the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the dead raise. In three days, the Bible tells you they went back fishing. You can say, how can this? These guys are not serious. No, no, you don't know what you're talking about. They saw that crucifixion. They saw the suffering. It was too much for them to see their hero die before them. And there is nothing in the world that heaven could do. It broke many. It tore them apart. It depressed them and killed them from within the core because they had left everything for this man. They had abandoned everything you know to abandon for this man. And one cold day, everything has now come down. The king of kings is lying on a cross, powerless. And they prick his side and they see he's dying like other men. How do you think they walked back home? Three days later, they went back fishing. Because they needed food. They needed to find something to to heal the confusion they'd gone through. And I think some, even their families, never understood him. Oh, Peter used to live with us here. We, we used to be close. But something happened. Here he's following some guy. But the guy was killed yesterday evening, by the way. They, they killed him. They're talking that while they're eating gin They killed him. So he's also thinking about what those people are thinking. He's thinking about what those people are thinking. And it's enough to drain the human soul. So, they go back fishing. You start to see how he reveals himself to his disciples. And many of them cannot identify him. Because many were not able to see him beyond the grave. They could not see the possibility beyond the grave. Even today, there are some religions that don't see Jesus beyond the grave. On their crosses, he's still on. Some people still see him. Oh, it reminds us of his death. Oh, 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 oh. But what about you transition beyond his death to his resurrection? Have you noticed that born again believers wear crosses too? But our crosses don't have him on the cross? Because we want to show the world that death lost its sting. The grave has no victory, he's not on the cross, he is on the throne powers ascended in glory. The one we believe. That's why if you're born again believer, the cross you wear should not have Jesus on. Because it did not end in that sorrow. It brought many sons to glory. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So there are many people who are not able to see him beyond the glory he carried on the earth. There are many people who are not able to apprehend beyond the glory of his death. Yet God has called you, the New Testament believer, to ascend beyond his death to his resurrection. Because that's what the Bible calls the newness of life. He brought the newness of life. And I've realized, studying my own life, since the day I was born or came into this world, and every part of me, everywhere I went, everything I did, as I started to behold the glory of God, everything started to come together for me to understand why I went to the school I went to, why I studied with the people I studied with, why I met the people I met in life, the good and the bad. Romans 8.28, all things start to work together for good. That's not a statement you give to encourage someone. That's a statement a man who has experienced God can understand or is able to understand. Only in that understanding of the glory of Christ can Romans 8.28 make sense. I gave a story of my university days. I had chosen Makere because it was the university. And, and, and I say that like this, the university. You need to raise your feet a bit. The university. Because everyone who went to Makere. Even when your parents were talking to you when you were little. You remember how they used to, whatever they used to say. One day you'll go to Makere. The, the word Macare became so simultaneous with university, like the way toothpaste and Colgate became the same. You remember? They're the ones of 2000, I don't understand this, but those of us who were born in the 80s, 90s, 70s, and late, you know, they used to send you to the shop and say, Go and buy a Colgate called Delident. <laughs> who remembers those days? A Colgate call, called Delident. You're on phone and this person says, hey, "I'm packed at a shell. The shell is called Total. <laughs> Who remembers those days? <laughs> the shell is called what? Total. Hey. Recently they brought us some Omo. It is called Nomi. <laughs> you remember Omo? Omo was that detergent that became so popular in our days that everything that came in powder form was some Omo called Sunlight." So that's the depth of Makere. So when your parents told you you're going to Makere, it was beyond the geographical address. No, it was the university. So I remember the course that I wanted, they would not give me, and then Uganda Christian University would give me that course. In so much pain and disappointment at that time, only at that time, I went to Mukono in tears. Because at the same time, my brother's, had gone to Makere, my two elder brothers, oh my God, it was hard. Capital, bold and italicize it if you want. It was so hard. We were always compared. Now look at the children of Makere. Because the cost I wanted was not given. But it's in that university that I have an encounter with God. you see and then it's from there that I start serving God and then in lieu of this glory I now understand that God knew exactly why he took me to Honu yeah because right now I'm standing before you I'm talking to Harvard graduates Cambridge Yale Uh uh-huh you mentioned Makere. <laughs> I'm talking to people of Kvindesh. Huh? They call it Cavendish. It comes in its English. But whether you studied in America or Pittsburgh or Afghanistan or Jakarta, you're listening to me. You're writing notes and I'm teaching you. Keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> we know that all things work together for good to them that love the lord and are called according to his purposes but it is in the vision of that glory that my university going made sense it's in the vision of that glory that you'll understand the school you went to and why you went to it it's in the vision of that glory that you'll understand why you went to that poor school. Because your story was not going to end there. Even that mother who is struggling with your three children who have become a nuisance. Look at the glory of God. There is something there God is doing. It might not make sense to you on Tuesday or Wednesday. It might not make sense to you on Christmas holidays or Easter. But one day, one day, one day, as you continue to look at Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, you will see that he will start to perfect everything that concerns you. I'm telling you that person who got to its end and gave up on life and said no, I don't think this is going to work. It doesn't matter how bad, sunken and fallen this is. Behold the glory of God. Like it came to the disciples. God one day will bring you to remembrance and tell you, you know why you went through this moment? Yes. You might have not seen me in those issues, you might have not seen me in the fullness of that confusion. You might have not seen me in the midst of those frustrations, but as actually there, walking with you every day, preparing you. a certain day where my glory will shine on your life and men will look at you and say truly the Lord has walked with her since she was young. See you might not even make sense of what you're going through now next week might not make sense this past three years in your house financially don't make sense this past three uh, days or so might not make sense for you in your body probably you're dealing with something and you don't even know how to walk out of it but this is what I know for sure The glory of God brings to remembrance the most defining milestones of our destiny that always affirm to us that even in the worst circumstances, he was there and he had a plan to make you prosper and not to harm you. give you that future, that hope and that expected end it's only in the eyes of that glory that you understand that whatever you went through was still even in its worst is a contributing factor of a bigger picture I don't care whether you got pregnant at 16 there was still a mind of God because in your mistakes that child was not a mistake I believe heaven knew how to get Uriah and Bathsheba to bring Solomon to the world it's just that Solomon did it the wrong way. But that I mean that heaven did not have its version. So sometimes you might make mistakes because we don't do it God's way. But even in those mistakes, Solomon still comes. So to do it better is to wait on God to do his way because it will not cost us more. But in spite of all that madness, still God promised Solomon and Solomon came. So even in your worst mistakes, there's a glory of God in your life that is going to reveal the bigger picture of God. All the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. This is what the Lord impressed on my heart to tell you. That all is well. All is well. God is in charge of your life. Even in the things that don't make sense, it's important to know that he is still in charge. He's still in charge. He's still in charge. And he is still dealing with you. He that began that good work in you, he shall see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. Keep looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Everything you learn and study, study it from that world. Study it from that perspective. View things only in the glory of God.
1: Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of Will grow strangely In the light of his glory. grace. Stars, Your eyes upon Jesus.
0: Take some minutes and talk to God. the prayer you've tonight, tell him God, show me your glory. That's what Moses asked for. That's what Paul asked for. That is what Jesus asked for. That I may know him. Father, show us your glory. May we see your glory. Tell him God, in spite of all that I will go through, still let your glory stay present my spirit tell him let me know you more every day let me know you every day speak to Jesus Hey that you'll see God. You'll see God. May God give you a vision of himself. Can somebody receive this? Can somebody receive this? May God give you such a vision that is going to make sense and define meaning in your life and destiny. There goes the power of God. There goes the power of God. There goes the power of God. There goes the power of God to open your eyes of understanding, to open the eyes of vision, to open the wells of wisdom and stir you to a place of purpose like you've never dreamed before. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Thank you, Holy Spirit. You receive it. May you see Jesus. May you see Jesus. May you see Jesus. I see angels on my left. And I believe someone on my left is seeing exactly what I'm seeing. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I see angels here. I see him minister. I see the angels of God minister to some people. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. The Bible says they are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. We receive it Jesus. If you are sick in your body, receive your healing right now. The angel of healing is moving. If you're struggling with anything in your family, receive and mention and say, Today, this ends. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Give him a mighty, mighty, mighty love of praise. Come on! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah hallelujah. If you're there and you've never received Jesus and you say today as you are preaching pastor I feel that I need I need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to know this God. Let's repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus I thank you for dying for my sins and I bless you because you were raised for my glory. Today, I want to start a relationship with you by receiving you in my heart as Lord and Savior of my life. Change me. Transform me. Redeem me. at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And for our Sunday services
1: at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero. Make manifest.